Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Now, I got a real wonderful privilege again. When we got uh, ice stormed out that day, uh, I did, and I was preaching in Barbados, faithful to the word of God like uh, you're supposed to be. <laughs> like that was hard, you know, but, but uh, that weekend, uh, uh, another fellow who came to us through an internship program from Huron College was uh, Zach Sloan. And, uh, you know, Zach visited us, became a part of this community, an amazing part of this community. Zach and Jen and the kids are, are just, they're, they're just a part of our community. They're the fabric here, the real thing. But Zach was supposed to preach that Sunday, and he came in all ready to go, and he didn't get to preach. And so I said, well, you'll have to sit on that for another year. But... <laughs> No, I just really felt uh, what, what the Lord put on Zach's heart, I want to hear. What the Lord put on Zach's heart for this body, we need to embrace and we need to receive. So here's another wonderful addition to our fellowship and to our staff, someone who's doing a fantastic job with us. So Zach, come on and minister to us. Come on, give it up for Zach. Come on. Well, good morning, everyone. That was fantastic. Wow. I was thinking, that's my friend Stefan, but that's my brother too, right? That's my brother. It's good stuff. Really good. So, yeah, this was what we were going to talk about a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't know that all this was going to go on today. So I, I, I'm here, and I knew Pastor was going to be here, but it's like, my pastor's here. He's here while I'm preaching. And then I look back, and I see an old professor from school. Not that he's an old professor, but he's, him teaching me is old for me. <laughs> That's an old experience. So I was like, oh my goodness, I gotta double check my notes, pastor and professor. So hopefully it's all good. But uh, we're going to carry on. Uh, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. I hope you felt that today. I, I hope you felt family. I hope you felt home, you know. You're with people that you, you belong here, you know. You really do. And it's, it's more than just a theology. It's more than an idea. It's a, it's a practical relationship. It, it really is. You, you belong here in the house of God. So last week, Pastor Fanu, he talked about uh, uh, franchises, being a franchisee of Jesus. And I thought about that in terms of, you know, being the house of God, the family of God. And I thought, you know, that's really cool. Uh, first of all, you know, before we are... Uh, anything metaphorically as the body of Christ, we, we are, we actually are, not in like a metaphor, we actually are the family of God. You know, something's happened to us when we've accepted the Spirit of God. We've actually become the children of God. Yeah. We are His children. We are family. Whether you feel it or not, you're all connected here today. Yeah. It's a real deal. So the thing about franchises is, um, you know, like take Subway, for example. You've, you can have a, a subway in Kitchener, in London, in Toronto, uh, maybe even in Saskatchewan. And that's a shout out to my sister who came all the way from Saskatchewan to watch on live stream in Stratford. It's like, all the holy people are actually in church, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. 
but no matter where you are, when you go to Subway, you have a, you know, you have an expectation that you're going to have a, a similar experience no matter where you go. So, you, you know, you walk in and there's this sign that says order here. You make your order and then you, you move along and there's the, the glass window with everybody's fingerprints all over it. And it's really gross. But so you tell them what you want and then you move on and you pay and the furniture is going to look the same. You know, it, there's some sameness. You know, and I think that's what Pastor Fanu was saying last week. You know, there's something about an authentic uh, community, an authentic family that, that really is of God. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, probably about a month ago now, we are at a, a day conference with some pastors. And, and there was this pastor there talking about the difference between uh, uniqueness and authenticity. And he said, you know, sometimes we confuse the two where your uniqueness, that kind of, that's your style. You know, like I like to wear a ball hat. So unfortunately, you're getting the result today of me just ditching that cap. But I like a hat. I like jeans. I like my running shoes. Uh, I've got my own style, you know. Some people like pink shirts. Some people like blue shirts, whatever. So style. But authenticity, that speaks to, that speaks to your origin. That speaks to where you come from. So as the church, as the, as the family of God, we, we actually come out of the heart of God, out of the spirit of God. So because of that, when you, when you visit an authentic house, when you're part of an authentic church, an authentic family of God, it stands to reason that you're going to see some of the same things because we all have the same origination. You know, we have the same starting point, the heart of God. So, you know, there's different styles. We've got brothers and sisters throughout the city today who are meeting and probably doing things a little bit different. Maybe they're reading their prayers. Maybe they're, they're singing out of a hymn book. Maybe they're standing less, whatever they're doing. That, that's kind of stylistically. But authentically, we come from the heart of God, right? So when we do that, we should manifest something of God. We should show by our, our group experience, our family should manifest um, something of God. And so when we're the house of God together, Pastor Carl started three weeks ago with this sermon, and, and he said he's going to hang his hat on the fact that Jesus had a favorite house. So uh, here it is. Now it happened, they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So throughout the, the Gospels, there's, there's a few different occasions where Jesus is interacting with Martha, with Mary, with Lazarus. And uh, yeah, why not? His favorite house. Well, this house, it was so characterized by love. The relationships between the, the people that were involved in this house, it, it demonstrated it, and it was so characterized by love that when somebody came to tell Jesus that Lazarus was sick, they didn't have to say, hey, Jesus, Lazarus, who lives at 649 Sandy Street or whatever, uh, is sick. He's like, no, no, him who you love, he's sick. Jesus just knew, hey, he said love. I know where that place is. I know where love is. I know where I'm going. Waited a couple of days, but... He got there, but he knew where it was, right? So that, that's, a, that, that's awesome. That really is unique. You know, you can be known for a lot of things, but being known as, a, say, a loving family, a loving church, a loving person, that's, that's really, really a big deal. It really is. So we talked about love. We talked about uh, sometimes how offenses can get in the way of love, you know? Uh, but, but the reality is we, we have the, the responsibility and the privilege. And it really is a privilege when something happens in our world where an offense comes. The opportunity to get offended at somebody. And the reality is the more you're, the more you're a family, the more you do stuff together, the more you're going to get offended. Right? We're just, we're just different people. And sometimes it's not even on purpose. Sometimes it's not real. Sometimes it's just kind of what's going on upstairs and you're not really upset or something bad didn't really happen. 
But whatever the case, when you get involved with people, offenses can come. Jesus said they do come, right? So, so when they come, you can step over them, you can trip over them, or as Pastor Carl said, you can pick it up and carry it around. And then it's going to distort your whole walk, your whole gait. Everything's going to be out of, out of sync when you're carrying a grudge. Meanwhile, you're thinking somebody else is paying for it, but it's you. It's you. It's, you. it's ugly. So love. Love characterizes the family of God. And Pastor Carl took this picture. We got this sign outside. God loves you. You know, Subway would be in trouble for false advertising. Yeah. You know, you go in and you're like, oh my goodness, you're not selling subs. You're selling, I don't know. I wouldn't mind if they had hamburgers, but you want subs when you go in, right? God loves you. Yeah. You, want, you want to experience love. Yeah. So today we're going to talk a little bit more about what, what love looks like uh, at, a, at a practical level. So we're going to talk about acceptance. Yeah. We're going to talk about the, the welcome and welcome home. So there's a quote here from uh, Sean Bowles. We're doing a, a, a group in St. Thomas on Tuesday nights, which is really good. We're looking at one of his books. This is a previous book, but uh, he says this. He says, there's no power from God that's separated from love. And this love, it's more than a feeling or an emotion. And that's good, eh? That's good both ways, right? Sometimes, I, yeah, you just need, you need love when you're not, you know, manifesting awesomeness. Sometimes it happens, right? It's an attitude of acceptance towards everyone or towards all that is God's. Even if, you, even if you can't control it, manage it, or even nurture it, you're called to love. Love and acceptance are linked together. Love and welcome, is, uh, they're, they're intricately linked, believe it or not. So 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 18, it says, My little children, children, we're a family. Let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, sometimes, I don't know if you're like, you, like, like me, but I, uh, I think about love, okay? I'm going to do something big, dramatic, spectacular. I'm going to demonstrate love by doing something amazing. I'm just going to, you know, do this big thing. But I think sometimes love, it looks like interpersonal, intrapersonal type stuff. It, it can look like ascribing infinite worth to another. Sometimes we miss opportunity to love or to live in love because we're, we're, we're looking for these big opportunities. Meanwhile, every day, the way you interact with somebody, your attitude towards somebody, the, the, the interaction you have, say, at a subway with the, you know, whoever's standing in line with you or, or across the thing, it doesn't look like they really want to take your money. You can love that person and they can love you. It doesn't always look like this big thing. So... One of the things, again, I'm just assuming that some, somebody out there thinks like me, but when I think about love and acceptance, one of the first things I think about, about acceptance is, um, well, if I accept somebody, does that mean that I'm, I'm condoning, I'm embracing, I'm accepting everything about that person? Like, I looked at their Facebook the other day. Oh, my goodness. I can't be friends with that person. Look at what they think. Wow. Everybody's going to think I think that, too. That's crazy. What if, we, what if we let people into our circle who uh, perhaps disagree with us in some things or, or, or manifest something that we're like, wow, I don't want to be associated with that. Do I really love, do I need to, do I need to accept that person? Is it really loving to accept? Well, I think that's condoning that. And sometimes we have these like little internal uh, problems that we have to work ourselves through so that when we're presented, we're in, when we're in a relationship with somebody, we don't have to do these little mental gymna gymnastics, you know? We've got these internal problems figured out. So do you have to love to accept? Do you have to accept to love? Well, I've got a quote here from a, a sociologist called Brene Brown. 
Uh, she says this. She was asked a question. Well, she's talking about the difference between professing love and practicing love. And she was asked a question. She's, somebody asked her, is it possible to love someone yet cheat on them and treat them poorly? And I thought, hey, you know what? That's kind of an interesting question. Is, is it possible to, to love and not accept somebody? You know, just to kind of get over some of my own mental gymnastics that I got to do. And I thought her response was really insightful. She said, I don't know if you can love someone and betray them and be cruel to them. But I do know that when you betray someone or behave in an unkind way towards them, you're not practicing love. And I thought, you know what, that sounds pretty good. That sounds, that's, that's enough for me to get over my hang-ups with acceptance. You know, maybe if I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. But I do know that when I'm being rejecting, when I'm rejecting people, when I'm denying people access to myself or the people I love, then, you know, that, that's probably not practicing love. So, anyways, something to think about as we go along. So we'll go back to Jesus' favorite house. Luke 10, 38. A certain woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. And before I saw uh, Dr. Badcock, I was actually going to try that. But I'm definitely not going to try that Greek word here. But what I'm hoping by the underlined words there is that you'll make a connection between welcomed, uh, receiving somebody, and acceptance. So accepted, the, this is just Google, because everybody's going to Google these days. Acceptance, the action or process of being received is adequate or suitable, typically to be admitted into a group. So acceptance, somebody is making a judgment about you. That's crazy, eh? And then received is adequate or suitable. So at Jesus' favorite house, he was welcomed. He was received. Somebody looked at Jesus and said, yep, you're adequate, you're suitable. And who wouldn't, right? Like, Jesus. Of course, he, of course he's going to be acceptable. Of course he's going to be suitable. But not to everybody. So uh, I'll introduce you now to Simon the Pharisee. Which is kind of interesting, because lots of times in the Bible there's the Pharisees, the Sadducees. This guy gets his name called out. Kind of interesting. But if you're following along in your Bibles, or you've got your device or something, your electronic Bible, uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. Uh, if you'll just bear with me, I'm going to read it because it's a great story about acceptance. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36, he says, Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. sinner. Say sinner. She was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, this Jesus, if he were a prophet, if he was really from God, he would know what manner of woman this is who's touching him. You know, she is a sinner. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He's a teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, when they couldn't pay them back, the, the creditor forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said, you've rightly judged. Then Jesus turns to the woman and says, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman who has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came in, and you didn't anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. 
Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, don't get me wrong, they're many, but they're forgiven. She loved much. To whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this guy who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There's a couple things about acceptance in this story that I thought would be uh, good to talk about when we're talking about welcome home. So let's actually go back to number one. Let's go to accepting Jesus. The first thing is when we're, when we're in accepting house, we're accepting Jesus, Jesus' favorite house. He was welcomed, and we welcome Jesus yeah. as an authentic house, as an authentic family of God. We say, Jesus, you're, well, you're the son, you're, the, you're, the, you're Lord over your own house. This is your house. You're the head of the house. You get to be here. You get to do as you like, and you most certainly get to be here. I mean, that's what makes us unique, right? Yeah. That's why we come together on a Sunday and we meet here. Not because we, you know, we, we just love each other so much that we want to get out of bed on a Sunday morning and just hang out. You know, we have a connection to each other. We do. I mean, we can do that at more sociable times, like small, small groups. Small groups. Anybody? Everybody? Small groups. Yeah. Evenings. You, you don't even have to wake up. You just come. You're already awake. You've already worked. Come. Come. It's good. But anyways. It's the presence of God that makes us who we are, right? Yes. Moses said, hey, don't, don't make us go up from here unless you're with us. Right. That's what, that's what differ, differentiates us from, from other groups. But in this story here, so I'm, I'm assuming this is a, a, a cultural thing. You can go to the next one if you don't mind, guys. But Jesus clearly had expectations of the Pharisees, that, uh, or of Simon anyways, when he went to the house. So maybe this was cultural. Maybe this was unique to this little village. I don't know. But Jesus had expectations. He goes to the house, and, uh, you know, he was expecting water to wash his feet. You know, he was expecting when he gets to this place, somebody's going to welcome me. Somebody's going to accept me. And part of that is they're going to clean my feet or at least give me water so I can clean my own feet or something like that, right? Simon didn't do this, even though he invited Jesus, but he didn't do this. But she did it with her tears. He's like, hey, there's no oil. I didn't get to wash my hair or wash my face or whatever. And uh, Simon didn't give the oil that Jesus was, was expecting. Maybe that's something that they would do all the time. And he didn't do it for Jesus, but she did it with perfume. And he didn't welcome uh, Jesus with a kiss. That's pretty brutal because even Judas did that, right? So he didn't give Jesus a kiss, but she didn't stop. So in effect, this woman here, she, she's welcoming and accepting Jesus, and Simon didn't. And her acceptance in the story was directly related to love. Love and acceptance, they, they actually do to go, go together. Now, her acceptance of Jesus, it was, it was personal. You know, he, he didn't even put out the water and just be like, hey, there's a basin over there or something like that. But she, her acceptance, her, her action of, of welcome, of accepting Jesus, it came from her being. The tears came out of her eyes, right? It was personal. The oil. You know, he could have just been like, yeah, there's the oil. There you go. Go do your thing. She brought perfume that probably would have been pretty dear to her and pretty, pretty expensive. And kiss, I mean, repeatedly kissing somebody's feet. I mean, that's pretty, pretty serious stuff, you know, in any culture. I don't care where you come from. <laughs> greeting people. Can you imagine if we had a greeting ministry and greet everybody with a kiss? <laughs> it would get weird fast, eh? There's a lesson here, though, I think, that proximity does not equal welcome, and it doesn't equal acceptance. 
So you can say, hey, come on, everybody come in, get here, get under, let's, let's share a roof together. Whether it's my house, whether it's I'm taking you out for dinner, whether it's here on a Sunday, we can say, hey, everybody come, let's, let's be in the same space. But that doesn't necessarily mean acceptance. The guy invited Jesus, but there was something more. There was something greater. There was something deeper. And the funny thing is, with this, with this woman, her acceptance of Jesus, it, it wasn't even like procedurally or culturally appropriate. Right? Like, first of all, if she's such a sinner and everybody's freaking out by that, what's she doing there? Who let her in, right? Who let, let her get past the gate? She's sneaking out the back door or something. I don't know. But she shouldn't have, probably shouldn't have been there. So when we're talking about accepting Jesus, there's another aspect to this too. Jesus said in John 13, 20, he says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. There's an aspect of accepting Jesus that means accepting those whom he sends. Sometimes it might be culturally, procedurally inappropriate. Maybe, maybe they didn't journey over the, the, the bridged chasm on the tract. Maybe they didn't take the Romans' road. You know, maybe they, uh, their expression of faith is a little bit different than ours. But they have the Son, and that's the important thing. John said in 1 John 5, 12, he said, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever doesn't have the Son does not have life. So we need to be aware of the fact sometimes there's people coming. Sometimes there's people out there who have the Son, but they're, maybe their they're, they're faith, their expression, their um, ability to articulate their faith, it might not sound like us. They might not have followed the same procedures and protocols that we have, but if they got the Son, they got life. And if you don't accept the one he sends, you're not accepting him. There's an aspect of accept, accepting each other. Now, point number two about this story is that Jesus accepts us. Now, can you hear? Like, just, I don't know if you're reading along in your head or something, but can, can you read, hear the tone in the Pharisee's voice? Now, he, this is how it goes. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, when the Pharisee saw the woman doing what she was doing with Jesus, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, if he really was from God, he'd know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. See, the Pharisee, he's expecting distance. Like the only thing that a really holy person could ever actually do in the presence of such a sinner was to say, get out of here and to create space. But Jesus didn't reject her. He didn't send her away. And he didn't even correct her and say, hey, you know what? This is great, but we could have done this a different way. You know, maybe you could come confess your faith or clean my feet somewhere else. He's like, no, he recognized acceptance. He recognized love. And actually, this person that religious people wanted to reject, he actually held her out as an example. And he said, hey, look. He didn't send her away. He didn't refuse to associate he actually forgave and saved the one who wanted to be sent, who they wanted to send away. And this is the thing here. Religion is an ugly beast. Religion says stay away, get away, isolate, segregate. Use social inclusion as a manipulative and controlling tool. But Jesus says, come. Come. Matthew 11, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. John 7, it says, the last day, the great day of the feast, he stood up and he cried out. He said, if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He says, come. He invites. Come, you're welcome. You're welcome here. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you look like, smell like, or anything like that. What you do with your hair. 
Now this, this actually would have blown the Pharisees' mind. It absolutely would have. Of course, like, of course, Jesus knew what kind of woman she was. He knew she was a sinner. You know, like, hello. He even says, hey, this, this woman whose sins are many. He, he called it out himself. So here's the thing. The Pharisee was able to accurately describe that person and that person's situation. But the thing is, he, he didn't have love and redemption and restoration in their hearts. They were, they were fully given to a law that said, separate from sinners. Don't get contaminated by them. You know, run away. <laughs> Don't get infected. Don't let that stuff get on you. And they em- embraced the worldview that separated people. She's a sinner, you know, as if that is in itself a social category. You know, and, and, and you know, maybe there, there are social categories that people cling to. It's like, oh my goodness, you, you like that person. You watch those TV shows. You, let, you do this. You put that in your body. You are a sinner. Yeah. Not cool. Oh. <laughs> Not cool. See, they had a paradigm of holiness that said, separate yourself from sinners and sin, and then you'll be holy. Create distance, chastise, punish, differentiate, categorize. But whatever you do, don't accept the person. And that old covenant way, that way of seeing people, it's actually at odds with God, the God that we really see in the person of Jesus. So for a long time, for a long time, teachers of the law, they're creating distance in in, in a depiction of God. But but then here comes Jesus. He comes along and and with an emphatic, world-changing, paradigm-shattering, like even history-dividing cry, he says, come. You know, he says, come. Everybody come. You're all welcome. And when he says, come, and he invites people and says, you're welcome here, he doesn't do it with, with hidden judgment in his heart. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? You can come and be a part of this. But first of all, you need to show me that you've got the, the, the potential to change, the will to change. No, he's like, come. Come if you're thirsty. Come if you're tired, if you're weary. So we have a, we have a healing group. And I was thinking about this. And... Uh, Really, what, what's the qualification to be healed? Really, it's that you're sick. Straight up, right? You're not sick, you're not broken, you're not getting healed, and that's about it. Jesus brought the bar so low. So people come. When people come, we have to be okay. We have to accept people or not expect people to look like us, to sound like us, to, to get cleaned up before they come to us. And, and you know what? To be clear, Jesus does have a program for all of us. You can find it in Romans chapter 8, where he says, we've been predestined to conformity to the image and the likeness of Jesus. So sometimes there's this hesitation, oh my goodness, well, I'm, I'm giving up God's standards or whatever that is, if we, if we say, hey, the doors are open, right? What about transformation? What about transformation? You know, Jesus transforms people. To deny people access to the power, the presence, and the community of God, a transformative impact and a transformative experience, that's just about as crazy, really. This is just about as crazy as a doctor saying to you, hey, you know what? That life-threatening disease you have, I have the cure, and guess what? When you get better, I'm going to give it to you. I can't wait for you to get better. That's crazy. We can't do that. We really can't. So here's a, here's a really good paradigm for transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 and 18, he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, or where the, the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now the interesting thing here for me, freedom and transformation are completely, they're inseparable. There's actually no real transformation without freedom. 
out of being a part of the group is kind of the carrot that's held out in front, saying, hey, you can be like us once you, or you can be with us once you, you maybe act or think or, or speak like us. That's not freedom. That's not really going to create a lasting change in anybody's life, right? Freedom. It's all about freedom. For freedom, Christ has set you free. For freedom, he set you free. So uh, people who might dabble in amateur psychology and read some books like that, uh, I'm sure everybody's heard of Abraham Maslow. But as far back as, I think it's 1943, he wrote a paper. This is the theory of human motivation. And he's like, you know what? There's these, uh, there's these different levels uh, of which people are motivated. So um, self-actualization or transformation or let's say discipleship to put a little uh, spin on it or, or, or being like Jesus, anything that has to do with you being better in this world or the next. You know what? People just don't even care about that unless they feel safe unless they have their needs met. And then, you know what, above self-actualization, above you being the best you you can be, actually innate in the human person is a desire for genuine acceptance and belonging. And unless we can offer that, which the church of God can, you know, people just ain't going to be motivated to, to change at all or to do anything different. You got to know you're loved and that you're loved just as you are. Completely, totally, and without any condition. So here's a... You might have seen something like this before, the, the believe, behave, belong versus belong, believe, behave. This is kind of a, a church kind of, I don't know, theory, I guess, of, of discipleship or something like that. But, but sometimes there's a tendency to say, you know what, you want to be part of us. You want to you come and experience the family of God, the benefits of God. Sign the dotted line, agree with our points, and then act like we do, and then you can get to be part of us. Right? But actually, it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit different anyways. And I think Jesus demonstrated that it was a little bit different. I mean, he took some crazy misfits and brought them right into his life. And he did life with some crazy people. He sent them out to do some crazy stuff before they were, you know, even technically born again. He's sending them out to heal people before he's even taught them how to pray. You know, that's crazy. How you can, how, so how can you belong when you can't find acceptance, you really do need to know that you're totally and completely accepted. So that's not to say, please don't hear anybody hear me say, believing and behaving are important because they really are. They really are important to Jesus. You know, we, we want to believe right because the, the person we believe in is the truth, yeah. right? The truth isn't really, it's not, a, it's not a set of propositions that we get people to sign up to, right? The truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then the Apostle Paul, he's writing to Timothy, and he says, hey, you know what, I'm, all this stuff, so that you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar, and the foundation of truth. So it's not like we're saying, hey, you know, what, what you believe isn't important. It really is. But if the truth is a person, if truth is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ who came and showed us what God was really like with no filter, with no, uh, no, no reservation. He's like, here I am. This is me in the fullness. This is who God really is, right? That's, that's who Jesus is. And then Jesus lives in us. He's invested himself in us. So when we live out the truth that God loves you, when we practice acceptance, when we manifest genuine love, care, and concern for other people, you know, there, there, is, a, there is a truth to be said, but there's a truth that's lived. There's a chance that people get to experience the truth of who Jesus is by coming and experiencing the love that we manifest and show together. That actually is truth. We together embody and love out of truth just as much as we proclaim it. I love what Pastor Fanu said last week. You know what? There comes a time when you got to say it. 
You just do. God chose the foolishness of preaching. But we embody that love and we embody the message, just like Pastor was sharing with, with Stephanie. You know, you've become a living epistle. They're, they're, you become a message just as much as you have a message to share. You become an accepting person. You, you, you embody the fact that God has accepted you and you radiate that and you share that with other people. So in light of all that, in light of the fact that Jesus accepts us, we're a place that knows that. We're a place that proclaims that. You're welcome. You're totally accepted by God. We ought to accept one another. Yeah. Romans 15, 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you. If this great acceptance has been extended towards us, stands the reason that we give it to other people. And as, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, we have the responsibility and the privilege of partnering with Jesus in communicating you're acceptable to God. You're accepted by God. Now, you, you know, in a day and age where the culture we live in, I guess it's not, not everybody has a church background. You know, you don't every day get the chance to sit down and, and exegete scripture to somebody. But there are certain things that you can do. You can model acceptance. You can, you can model a life that accepts and embraces people uh, without conditions, without reservations. You can model this. You can show it. You can practice it. And then, of course, you can proclaim it. And when we live it, when we say it, and we do. I mean, this is a fantastic place. I mean, what, what happened here earlier? Oh, my goodness. That, that, is, that is this working. You know, like, like what, what happened here today, I hope everybody sees that this, that, that, that product that Stefan is, is all of this put on display. If there's any reservation, if there's any doubt, I myself am, Stefan is, there's so many people here who've like been brought in, who've been loved on, who, who've been accepted and been given a place to just, just be who they are. And, and transformation has happened as a result. But it's not like, hey, you know, hey, get changed, Zach. Sort yourself out, and then you can come here. No, no, you're welcome here. You're totally and completely welcome here. So back to the Sean Bowles quote. He says, there's no power from God separated from love, and this is more than an emotion. It's more than a feeling. It's an attitude of acceptance towards all its gods. And this is the challenging part for me. Even if you can't control it, manage it, or nurture it, you're simply just called to love. And if there's any doubt about what, whether that works, you know, let, let today, what's happened today be just a, a big, hey, here it is, it works. It works. Love accepts. It absolutely accepts. So just a couple points here to leave you with about acceptance. Some things that I've, I've drawn out of these stories here today. Acceptance is personal. It really is. You're personally invested. You know, you're, there's something of you going out to another and welcoming that person. It's intentional. You can't accidentally accept somebody. You know, that's just kind of like tolerating them. And, and tolerance is such a horrible thing. It's ugly. It's just like, I, I tolerate you. That's fine, whatever. That's okay. It's so indifferent. It's so cold. You got to do it on purpose. Accepting people, welcoming people, it's tied to love. It really is. But here's another thing about acceptance. It's actually a two-way street. And what I mean by that is it's, it's possible sometimes to have the experience where you're like, man, I just don't feel like I fit in. You know, I, I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like anybody's really accepting me. And, you know, sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's ugly. Sometimes that's true. But if you want to be accepted, you got to have the courage to show up, yeah. right? You got to show up. And when you do show up, you got to be you. Yeah. You got to bring yourself to the equation. If you're not bringing you, nobody can accept you. If you're bringing this false version of you, 
what you're asking people to expect, accept is a false version of you, and then so you walk together for a little bit, and then you start to wonder, oh my goodness, when my true colors start to come out, or you get to know me a little bit, we're drifting apart. Well, that drift, you created that drift when you decided to present something other than yourself. So it can be on purpose, it can be sneaky, which is like few and far between, really hope. But it can also just be insecure. And so there's a, there's a vulnerability there. There's a, there's a, I have the faith. I'm going to step out and I'm going to, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to join a community. I'm going to join a small group. I'm going to show up and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to take this chance that, you know what? I might get rejected. That's just the reality of life, right? Sometimes that happens. It's ugly, but it happens. But you, you manifest some faith, you know? You take a step and you say, you know what? I, I'm worth it. Being part of this community is worth it. I'm just going to throw my hat in. I'm going to show up, and I'm going to show up as me. I'm going to present myself, and I'm going to give other people the chance to accept me because I'm awesome. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's unconditional. It really is. You're welcome. Everybody here is welcome. Yeah. One last scripture. If uh, somebody who plays some music could come on up, that would be great. And we'll end. Sorry, I'm kind of ending a little bit early, but. This one verse, honestly and truly, I honestly believe with all my heart that if we, if, if, if church at large got this verse, believed what's said in this verse here, there would be a complete revolution, reformation in how we present ourselves, how we interact, and how we engage with the world around us. And that's this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting people's sins against them. God is not counting people's sins against them. Not just us, not just those of us who are here. Rachel should have been here. Not just people who are here, the whole world. God is not counting sins against the world and neither should we. We shouldn't be saying, hey, you know what? Here's a condition to come and be part of us or anything like that. Because as far as those things are concerned, that, that barrier is gone. It's already gone. Let's accept that it's gone. Let's show people that it's gone. Let's continue to be a really welcoming uh, place where, where you know you're accepted because that's what God's done. You know what? He's, he's accepted us and then he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. You're reconciled to God. You are. You are. Accept it. Believe it. Embrace it. Let your world be transformed. Not because God has to go and do something now. You just need to wake up. You just need to realize that he has done this for you. You are already accepted. You literally need to accept that he accepts you. Let's all stand together. So guys, maybe you're, maybe you're here today. Maybe you, uh, you've, never, you've never heard that. Maybe you've never embraced the fact that God accepts you just the way you are. You are totally and completely loved, totally and completely accepted by God just as you are. And I hope that you know, I hope you've been able to feel today in this place that you're, you're accepted and you're welcome here. You know, it's not just this ethereal concept. The God out there accepts you. He accepts you and that acceptance is manifested right here and right now. You're welcome here. Welcome home. So if there's anybody here today who's never said that before, who's never embraced before, God accepts me. And you want to do that today. You want to say, you know what? I accept that. I accept that God accepts me. I am fine with him just the way that I am. He's taking care of it all. If that's you here today, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to count to three and all you need to do, just put your hand up and then we're all going to pray together. On the count of three, if that's you. Ready? One, two, 
three. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right, guys, let's all pray together. Everybody. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for accepting me. I believe that you accept me right now just the way I am. I come to you and I invite you in. In Jesus' name. Amen. If that's you today, welcome home. Welcome home. You found the family of God. Good for you. Good for you. Now, somebody might come along afterwards, just tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, welcome home. Don't be freaked out. It's all good. You're with family now. If I could have the, the uh, altar team, the people praying at the front today, to come on up. Maybe you're here today, you've got a, you got a pain, you got a need, you got something in your world. You need to hear the voice of God. You, you need your body healed. Maybe something you heard really spoke to you. Please, come on up. Come to the altar. Good things do happen. There's miracles that happen. You can hear the voice of God up here. You can really be blessed. So let's all pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for today. Thank you for your house. Lord, it's, it's such a, a, an awesome privilege. It's a wonderful thing to join together with those who are yours, to be the family of God, to manifest your love together. And we're so grateful that you've been here together with us today. Lord, we ask for your blessing. We ask that you would you'd send us out in power and the ability and the capacity anointed by the Spirit of God to manifest and demonstrate your acceptance towards the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.